0: this isn't just your run-of-the-mill Kairos moment if there was such a thing. Jesus said, this is the time. Definitively, this is the time, the Kairos moment. This is God's time. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the promise, the incarnation. This is God's fullness of time. Now, this isn't just like having a list of things God's checking off. This is the fullness of overflowing. The King has arrived. He's here. As a a train fills the temple, He's here. He has arrived. God is making a personal appearance right here, right now. It's the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is announcing. The time is fulfilled. So it's interesting uh, that Jesus says the kingdom of God is here because he actually introduces himself as the king, the king of the world, the king of the universe, the the king of all. And he has something to say. He says, I'm here, the king. Now repent, believe in the gospel. Our sensibilities in our culture, we just think repent means confess your sins. But what's he asking? He's saying, turn away from your kingdom and believe in my kingdom. It's a turning. It's a physical turning. Turn away from yours and into mine. It begins a journey. We, We don't really have this kingdom mindset in our own sensibilities, but we know that if a king were to show up today we would act differently, wouldn't we? we? We would do something, even though he's probably not our king, but we, we'd probably start going to the knee or something because that's what you're supposed to do. One writer explains it this way when a king would arrive. He says, the king has arrived and he carries this double-edged sword of judgment and life. If we ignore that king, we'll pay the penalties of, of death. But they would know that if they obeyed the king, they would have life. So you want an example? (laughs) Curious enough, I'm glad you asked. Mark, in true form and ancient writing style, says, and here's an example. So Jesus, passing along, continuing on in our text, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew and the brother of Simon casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said, follow me, this time not as specifically as a king, but we'll see in a moment as a rabbi. He says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Kings want people to follow them, but a rabbi will have them follow them. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James and the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed him. All these people starting to follow they didn't just say hey i believe they got out they started to follow if you will jesus disrupted the chronos everyday life of these fishermen with this kairos moment and he stepped into their world and he says come on follow me follow me and they did you see, Jesus was quickly gaining a reputation as a teacher, as a rabbi. And the practice of the day would have been for these, for young men, the Talmudine, to to seek out a rabbi so that they could learn from the rabbi, much like we do when we apply to a college or, or go to a, try to find a teacher for us. We, we seek them out. But Jesus turned this upside down. They did not search for him. He searched for them. He went after them. You see, it's in their world that this process of following Jesus, this discipleship begins in their world. And so Jesus, the rabbi, could have kept walking, but he turned to them and said, I choose you. Will you follow me? Now, that was a Kairos moment for them. God came into their world, and they're never going to forget that. And so they followed. They got out of their boats, dropped the nets, left the family. They left everything behind. And what did they do? They repented, and they turned, and they followed Jesus. They became his apprentices if you will. I'm indebted to uh, Pastor John Mark Comer for his observation about these apprentices who followed and practiced this way of Jesus as they now journeyed with him, their rabbi. He summarizes what it would have been like to be a follower of a rabbi. He just says there's, there's really just three things that were required of a follower of Jesus. The first one is is they, they needed to be with him. Kind of makes sense, right? In the ancient world, when you're a student of a rabbi, your aim was, was not just to learn stuff, but to be so close to the rabbi that your own clothing would be covered with the dust of his sandals. That's literal. They, they would just kind of, these little guys just kind of following along. You'd see a dust flying, that's your rabbi, that's the guy you can't follow him if you're not with him. And to be like him, that was the second one. Just you wanted to become like the rabbi. Whatever he did, you did. He slept, you slept. He ate, you ate. You name it, he was their aim. As an apprentice, they were to bear the yoke of his teaching. Listen, becoming being like the rabbi meant ordering their lives around the life of the rabbi. Over time, they became more and more like him. Third one is to do what he did. Rabbis, as I said, didn't teach simply to teach and to dispense knowledge any more than the disciples were going to learn just to know. They didn't want to do that. The intent was to carry on the master's work. They wanted to replicate themselves. In this this case, what did the rabbi want to make of them? Fishers of men. So let's consider together what God might be doing at this time as he gives us this text. This present moment in our Kronos moment, which I think is full of Kairos moments waiting to happen. I contend what He's doing, He has already done, and He's just simply waiting for our reply. The Scripture reminds us that He has stepped into our world, our time, and made it known to us that the time is fulfilled. Be reminded of that church. He has come, and He's waiting. He is extending the call. The King has arrived, as promised, and continues to invite us. Turn from walking in the kingdom, he would say, in the kingdom of the world, that is, and turn to follow Jesus. He invites us continually to become his apprentices, to follow him. And so I'm, I need to ask us, you today, have, has that been your experience? Have you heard him? Do you hear him today? He says, come, follow me. If not, today could be your Kairos moment where you get out of the boat and turn and follow, begin your journey of being a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus. Our well-meaning evangelism culture uh, implies that this might be all that is needed. Uh, Forgive me, I actually wrote this one down so I wouldn't be too cynical So I said, forgive me for my cynicism, (laughs) right up front. But I hope this will be just sharp enough to get the point across. Following Jesus cannot be reduced to simply saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Boom. I've got my ticket. Going to heaven. It's all that's needed. Imagine the story if Mark... (laughs) In Mark, if the fishermen simply yelled back at Jesus across the lake, Yes! We believe! Thank you! What a story, right? Now, this belief called for something life-altering, life-changing. They left everything they knew behind and set out to follow Jesus. It appears to me... That being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, requires something radical from each of us, radical, contrary to the kingdom of the world. And so, if you are a follower of Jesus, as I jump into this conversation and listen to myself preach as well, as followers of Jesus... Consider this our job description, if you will, as a follower of Jesus. You've heard these before. Uh, The first one is, I encourage us to be a people who are with Jesus. With Jesus. My thoughts were drawn to to John 15 where John says, uh, Jesus said in verse 4, Abide in me, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in you. The vine. That word abide is really a beautiful word. It's this lovely picture of of remaining continually with Jesus. Remaining with him. There's a sense where our our abiding transforms our daily Kronos TikTok life into an every moment of Kairos moments with Jesus. But we have to be with him. Brother Lawrence. Would implore us to practice the presence of Jesus. Daily prayer, conversations with God, scripture reading, the sacraments, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we learn to live in constant awareness in this abiding presence of Jesus as we commit to turn and be with Him. But the invitation also is for us to be people that are like Jesus. This life of Jesus included an unhurried life. You you read through, what kind of life did Jesus live? Pretty unhurried. He enjoyed the community of his friends, and those were his apprentices. Time alone, prayer, fasting. It's hard. It's hard to live that kind of life. Dallas Willard gives us this quote that the I think just nails it, it does for me, the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is a feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Simply put, we can't do it without rearranging our lives around the life of Jesus. We just can't. Coma reminds us that our life is the product of our lifestyle, our rituals, and our routine. Let me say that again. The sum of these, of your lifestyle, your rituals, and your routine, that's what shapes you. That's what shapes all of us. We do the whatever we practice in those things. However, however we're being spiritually formed, intentionally or un, unintentionally, because we are being formed with everything that we do. Unintentionally, it might look like this: we might just do nothing in the morning. We might just kind of get up, roll out of bed, and kind of get in the in the stream of life and go on. It, it's shaping us. It's it's forming us. We're just kind of let life happen. I learned a new one yesterday, uh, at least what it's called. I I know what it is because I'm guilty of it. It's called doom scrolling. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) a little nerve, huh? Fox News, uh, social media, keep going, right? It's shaping you. It's shaping me. Make a decision. Relationships, who we hang out with. You get the idea. We have these unintentional, spiritually forming habits that actually shape us? Well, what would be some intentionally forming habits? You probably know what they are. We, we know. Most of, most of us know. Scripture reading, serving others, discipline on our cell phones, Holy Spirit-guided prayers. You, you get the idea. When we engage in these life-altering practices like Jesus' practice, we become like Him, but it takes work. But let me be clear, it's not about earning something from Jesus, it's about effort. Because it just takes effort, it takes work to swim upstream. It's the grace of, of partnering, with, partnering with God in our own transformation. Being a transformed disciple, we are a transforming disciple, we're invited to what? Be Say it with me, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus. And the third one is to do what Jesus did seems simple. So as we become more and more like Jesus, we are equipped and empowered and empowered to do what he did. And if we follow this story that we started to read even on into Mark, it's pretty clear that Jesus had a rhythm of of life that we now can replicate, a pattern. So what does he do? He teaches, right? Calls for apprentices, come they follow Jesus, they be with Him, they be like Him. They're changed as the story of Scripture unfolds there, we can see that. Then they're sent out two by two, you remember that part of the story? Then they come back, what did they do when they went out? They, they preached, they healed, they, they did all the things that their rabbi had done. And finally, what do they do? They go out and they, well, they've become fishers of men because now they're making disciples. You see, disciples make disciples disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who who make disciples. I want to tell you about a Kairos moment. So when I was in the eighth grade, I went to a youth event at our church, and a man uh, sang songs, and he told the story of Jesus. And I walked forward that night, and I received uh, received Jesus in my heart, because that's all I knew at the time, and it's okay. And then I, then, his name is Burr, by the way, he gave me a Bible. I thought, well, oh, that's pretty nice, the one-way Bible, anybody remember those? So the one-way Bible, and so I left that night, and I walked home, and I put it on the steps, and I walked into the living room, and mom and dad said, so how'd you go tonight? I said, it was, It was good. That was it. Got my ticket until I got a phone call from Burr. He said, hey, Dean, um, I know that you came to receive Christ the other night. I'm wondering if if you would be uh, interested in coming over after school uh, once a week for a while. And we'll we'll work through a book together. Uh, Paul Littles' Know What You Believe. That was a, a classic back then. And so Burr became my mentor, my spiritual rabbi, if you will. And he discipled me for a year and then another year. Then I sang in a singing group with Burr. I wanted to be just like Burr. Uh, Then I graduated from high school. And Burr and his wife showed up. Some of you don't even know what this is, but this is a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Uh, This was kind of like my diploma for being an apprentice of Burr. And he says, now as you go off to college, go forth, right? Make disciples. Don't make them read this, but make disciples, right? Because it's a lot. But I love that story, and I love the fact that Burr embodied in his life this replicating, disciple-making love for other people, and he did it for me. I wonder what that's like in our lives. I, I confess that's not my life today. I don't do that very often. So where are you on your following Jesus journey? If you're hearing this invitation for the very first time, this could be your Kairos moment. And please, listen to the gracious, kind invitation of the rabbi as he looks to you today. He says, come, follow me, and let this begin. Let me also ask, have you heard him? Are you still out on the lake? Get out. It's time to follow Jesus. Is there a step that you'd like to take that will form you more intentionally? Just one. Is there one thing? Perhaps it's a renewed commitment to be with Jesus. Just, what's that look like for us? Perhaps it is a rearranging of life and engaging intentionally in spiritually forming practices. What would one practice be that would make you more and more like just one? What would it be? And then finally, perhaps... It is stepping into your world, into the everyday Kronos broken world of your neighbors and friends and do what Jesus did and say, hey, you want to follow me? Like Paul, follow my example as, as I follow Christ. What's God asking of us today? I do know this to be sure. It is time to follow Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.